Well, marvellous. Great to see you all this morning. Thank you for those of you who have uh, braved the elements and have come out to meet us here in-house, and for the many of you who are there online at home sharing in this time. Some of you are sharing in this time synchronously as we stream the service live, and we'd really encourage you to share with your friends the opportunity to do that. But many of you are joining us at other times in the day and throughout the week. I I looked at the analytics just the other day, and I noticed that we have an evening service, something that we've not had here at Apex for many, 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 many years. We have an evening service where more people attend at six o'clock in the evening (laughs) than they do right now, which is kind of amazing, isn't it? So it's all very interesting what's going on at the moment, and of course, We're all very much looking forward to the days of relief and redemption when... I've got a hair in my eye and it's really, really confusing me. Oh, there you are. That's it. Great. That's much better. I can actually see you now. Um, uh, The days of relief and um, redemption when the Lord releases this vaccine more successfully and completely to all of us. These are strange days, and none of us will ever have a Christmas like it. And as we've been thinking about that, praying about that, and wondering what it is that the Lord wants to say to us as a community and as a church, we've decided that the subject for this Sunday and next Sunday will be comfort and joy. And so this week, I'll focus on comfort, and next week, when we have all the kids with us, And they're bringing their Christmas presents here to share with us. And adults, if you want to bring a Christmas present, bring it. We'll um, we'll take on the theme of joy. Of course, on Christmas Eve, we will, at five o'clock, be celebrating the incarnation of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, to pick up on the theme of comfort, we're going to read from 2 Corinthians. It feels as though 2 Corinthians is quite an important book right now. I was saying to some of the other team, you know, you preach and you prepare and you prepare and you preach and you have really no idea what it is that the Lord is doing a lot of the time. You hear some of the reactions from folks, particularly at the prayer times uh, during the week. But this last week, as the word about blessing and receiving and imparting a blessing and the word that, of course, extends into understanding how to give a blessing out of generosity seems to be something that has really taken hold across the whole of the community. And there's all kinds of amazing things happening. We'd love to hear your testimonies of those, of those um, stories of generosity and joy as you hear them and receive them. So we're going to look again at 2 Corinthians, not chapter 9 this week, but chapter 1. And it's the passage that deals with comfort from God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. 
For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Comfort and joy. It's not a, it's not a couplet that you find in the Bible, but it's certainly one that you find in that famous old English hymn, God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay, for Jesus Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy. I was going to sing it, but I decided not to. So what is it then that this passage is saying? It's very clear, really. It's, it's not one that we have to dig very deep to discover the meaning of. Paul is simply saying this, writing from his experience to the Corinthians, having just come out of a really terrifying experience where, where he has been taken capture, he's been taken prisoner, he's been held captive, and it looks like he's going to lose his life in the city of Ephesus, he received comfort from God, strengthening from the prayers of other people, and then was able to share that comfort with others. And this understanding is an understanding that he wants to share with the recipients of this correspondence. He wants them to understand that what it is that they're receiving from God, they're able to give to others as they've received. He says, as God imparts to us comfort in the midst of our trouble, he is imparting to us the capacity to comfort others. He's not only imparting comfort to us, which in itself is a wonderful thing, directly, immediately, internally, and spiritually, but he is imparting not only the comfort, but the, the capacity to share that comfort with others. Now today we're going to dig into this and come to an understanding of it because in many ways it partners with the message that we looked at last week. It's from the same book. It follows the same theological theme. And the big theological theme that is being, that is being entertained here, that is being, that is being embraced here, is the theme of covenant. You see, when Jesus died for us, he did something that perhaps we're unaware of when we first consider this marvelous gift. Of course, he dies to cleanse us from our sins. Of course, he dies so that the grace of God can be extended to us in our lost and alienated state. But he does something else. He does something that he told the disciples he would do. He makes us 
one with God. Jesus says, in the same way that I am one with the Father, so you will be one with me and one with the Father. In fact, when he's praying his high priestly prayer in John 17, he's praying to the Father that, that all of the things that, that, that the Father desires for their unity with him and their unity with one another will take place as a benefit of the cross. So we, those who have bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus and have opened our hearts to the Savior Jesus, we are not only cleansed, forgiven, and made new, but we are made one with God and with one another. And because we're one with God, he is able to impart to us that which is consistent with his character and identity. And certainly, the desire to comfort his children is a desire that's seen in the heart of God down through the centuries as we see the witness through Scripture. And God is able to immediately impart it to us because he's one with us. There is a conduit from the heart of God into the heart of every believer and he's able to impart what it is that he desires to impart. And here, Paul says, it's comfort that we, that we receive in the midst of trouble. Surely that's something that we need right now. Surely that's something that many people around us need right now. And here, God says, it's been won for us. It's been claimed for us. It's been established for us, settled for us, secured for us in the work of Jesus. We're one with God. And so God is able to impart directly to us, not through a mediator, not through some other means, but directly to us, comfort that we need. Do you need comfort? Are you in the midst of trouble? Are you struggling? God says, my comfort I impart to you. And along with that comfort, God makes it absolutely clear that he not only shares that comfort, but imparts the capacity for us to offer that comfort to others, particularly within the household of faith. Because we're not only one with the Father, we're one with one another. There is a direct connection between us and all other believers. So today we're going to look at this. How does it happen? How does this, how does this comforting work? How does God comfort us? And how do we comfort others? Because the scripture is surprisingly clear about it. When we, um, I'll just fire up my, uh, my iPad here. When we look at these words, it's quite important that we understand what it is that's being said here. The word, and let me just point this out. I'm not going to talk about Greek every week. That's a nice little rhyme, isn't it? I'm not going to talk about Greek every week, but I am going to share it with you when it's necessary to share it with you because, of course, the Bible, as the Word of God, is the Word of God in its untranslated state. I mean, it's the Word of God to us right here in English, but, 
But the way in which evangelical scholars have always understood it is that in the original language, we have the, if you like, the unmitigated, unvarnished, unfiltered word of God that is not being brought to us through that filtering of translation. And here in the original language, it's a very interesting word that Paul uses. It's very selective and very strategic. It is the word paraclesis. Paraclesis. And it means, it means to comfort. Now, it's very interesting because this word is, of course, directly connected to a word that Jesus uses in John chapter 16. In fact, way back in John chapter 14, throughout the final discourse of Jesus recorded in John's gospel, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. And it's often translated as comforter. So there is paraclesis and the paraclete, or parakletos, if you want to be absolutely clear about what the Greek is saying. So, what is it then that these words indicate to us? Well, the word in Greek simply means this. Paraclesis or, or parakletos refers to a process by which someone is called to come and stand beside you, speak to you, walk with you, counsel you, and speak on your behalf to others. Now in the old days, that kind of character would be envisioned in the minds of people as the person that stands next to the king who is his chief counselor. And so sometimes the word paraclete has been translated as counselor. Sometimes it would be envisioned in the minds of the people of ages gone by as one who is called to stand next to Someone who is accused in a court of law. And they, they're called to stand next to them. They're called to give them counsel. And they're called to speak on their behalf. And they're called the advocate. Sometimes people would envision a person who is in specific physical need. Or perhaps in some particular quandary internal mental struggle and they require someone to come and help them and so there's a person that's called to come and stand next to them to speak to them and to speak for them as a helper as a friend perhaps as well these days we would think of the word mentor one who's called alongside to speak to and speak for a person. Paul says, Paul says, 
God, God is doing the work of coming alongside you to speak to you, to speak for you, to support you, to help you, to befriend you. And that's what he means by comfort. And, and Jesus, when he speaks about the same process, identifies the Holy Spirit as the one who is doing it. He is the paraclete. And this is the way that Jesus puts it. He says, I'm sending you another paraclete. Now, if you're making notes, here's a note to take. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. I write this so that you will not sin. But if we sin, we have a paraclete with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. We have a paraclete with the Father. Jesus is the first paraclete. Jesus is the first comforter. He's the one who's called alongside us. And we see him with the disciples, called alongside them to speak to them, to help them, to encourage them, to support them. And when it comes to his death on the cross, to speak on their behalf and say to the Father, look at my life and not theirs and judge their life on the basis of my life. So here is the scripture very clearly telling us what comfort is all about. Comfort is about God choosing to intimately connect with you through the Holy Spirit. He sends his spirit to you to speak directly to you, to speak on your behalf. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray. And in our weakness, we find it impossible to even frame the prayers that we need to pray. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, speaks for us. Sometimes with groans too deep for words. So, in this season, in this time, in whatever distress or discomfort, trouble or trial that you're in, there is a comforter. He is the Holy Spirit. He has been sent to you by the Father and the Son. And as he comes to you, he comes to you to stand with you. He comes to you to support and strengthen you. He comes to you to help and befriend you. He comes to you to speak to you and for you. So here you are, you're troubled by the news. You're troubled by, by situations in your family. You're, you're overwhelmed by circumstance. What do you do? You say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to say. But you do. Because you're the paraclete. You're the comforter. Holy Spirit, I don't know how to pray.
pray. But you do. Because you're the Spirit of God. And you're one with Jesus and the Father. You, you know what to say to them. You're always communicating with them. Lord, catch me up in the communication of heaven. I don't know what to say or do, Lord. Isn't that amazing? Think of those first century Christians who had no Bible, who had very little organization of church. There was no content rolling out through social media. There was nobody writing books regularly for congregations to read. All they had was the testimony of the apostolic teaching the witness of their friends and family and the daily the daily interaction with the holy spirit you know you and i have so many things that sometimes i think we fail to recognize the depth of the gift that there is in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because this is the great gift. He is the great gift. It's wonderful that we can find an almanac uh, hanging in our toilet that we can read a new verse from every day. It's great that we can go to some Instagram post and find an encouraging reel for us to, to be kind of supported by. It's great that we can go to a shelf and, and pull a book. It's, it's even more marvelous that we can find a Bible that is our own with our own name on it. Something that is a fairly recent feature of Christian history. Down through the centuries from the very beginning. Jesus has always kept his word to send us another counselor. Another comforter. Another paraclete. And that great gift is the gift that's so often covered up by the accretions of, of the overwhelming gifts that we experience as modern day Christians and because of that we miss the immediacy of the comfort of God God can comfort you directly he can speak to you directly and he wants to do that right now it's the promise of Jesus it's the experience of believers down through the centuries the paraclete brings paraclesis. But what about us? Paul says that we're able to, we're able to comfort others in the same way according to the way that we've been comforted. Now it's a little bit like the message from last week. It's all about covenant. It's all about unity. It's all about the way in which impartation comes to us. And as the blessing is imparted to us, the tools, the, the, the ability to impart the blessing to others is also given. Of course. 
But what is the actual mechanism by which God does this? For us to understand it, I think it's important for us to look at another passage in the Bible. I've made reference to some passages in John and the first letter of John. But right now, I want you to look with me, if you have your Bibles, at 1 Corinthians, still part of the Corinthian correspondence, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1. Because this is tremendously important. Because especially for us crusty evangelicals who find it difficult to understand the mechanisms by which the Holy Spirit is operating so often because we've never really been trained in them, we find it difficult to really get a hold of what it is that God is wanting to do in us and through us. And it's partly to do with the way that we've been trained and it's partly to do with the things that we're afraid of. It would be terrible, wouldn't it, if we all became Pentecostals. I hope you understand irony. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Okay, let me just pause for a minute. Eagerly desire, actually, in the original, all the spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire them. You're supposed to eagerly desire all the spiritual gifts, even the ones that you don't like. Even the ones that would identify you with that group of people who look weird. Wouldn't that be awful? I'm so glad you're here, brother, because I feel like the congregation is alive. Otherwise, I'd be preaching in a library again. Do you see what I mean? For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But, read carefully, verse 3, but. Everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and, everybody read it out loud, and any guesses as to what the Greek word is there. Paraklesis, well done. You're getting good at this Greek stuff, aren't you? So, prophecy is about comfort and not criticism. Who'd have thought? It's so funny, you know, when people say, well, you know, they're a very prophetic person. And that yeah, generally means that they're grumpy and unpleasant. <laughs> they're very prophetic. And you think, I'm going to give them a wide berth. It's not the New Testament model of prophecy. Prophecy is for strengthening, for encouragement, and for comfort. And Paul says, I want you to eagerly desire it. Maybe he has running in his mind the phrases from Jesus. Which of you fathers whose son asks for a gift 
will not give it. It would be extraordinary, would it not, for Paul the Apostle to encourage us to ask for something eagerly if it was unlikely that we were to receive it. But you see, it's because we misunderstand what prophecy is about. Most of us think of prophecy as foretelling something. Prophecy is not about foretelling something as much as it is telling forth something. Prophecy is eight-tenths telling forth, two-tenths foretelling. Right the way through Scripture, prophecy and the prophetic ministry is to do with proclaiming what is true about God. And within that, there is an element that speaks of the future because God has access to the future in a way that we don't. But it's not the principal task either of the prophet or of prophecy. Prophecy is about the speaking of God's word to a particular context, to a particular people in a particular time. And... In the New Testament, everyone gets to do it. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can everybody get to do it? Well, first of all, because Paul says you're supposed to eagerly desire it, which would generally suggest that you can have it, and because on the day of Pentecost, Peter made it clear that this was the fulfillment of the promise made in the prophets of old. Look with me, if you have your Bible, to Acts chapter two and verse 17. Peter, like the others in the upper room, all 120 have been filled with the Holy Spirit. As we get into the Acts of the Apostles in the new year, we're going to be looking at these amazing texts and, and gathering ourselves into this narrative of the early stories of the church. And of course, we've heard of the day of Pentecost and the Spirit of God is poured out upon the church for the first time and, and flames of fire alight on each of the believers. And Peter, along with the other disciples, go out and begin to proclaim, literally to prophesy, to the crowds in Jerusalem gathered for the feast of Pentecost. And they ask him, what is it that's going on? And he says this, it is in fulfillment of what was spoken by the prophet Joel, verse 17, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on how many people? All people, your sons and daughters, what will they do? Will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm dreaming a lot more dreams these days. Maybe I'm getting older. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Young, old, male, female. Is there anybody else missing? Let me think. Young, old, male, female. I think that's it, isn't it? Is there anybody else that's not included? Young, old, male, female, all get to prophesy. 
Now, do they have the ministry of the prophet? No. No more than you and I have the ministry of an evangelist. But we're all called to witness, aren't we? Of course we're called to witness. But we're not all evangelists. There are people who have the ministry of evangelism and they equip us to be good witnesses. There are those who have the ministry of prophecy and they equip us to prophesy. Because all of us are supposed to do it. In the same way that all of us are supposed to witness, all of us are supposed to prophesy. And what happens when we prophesy? We strengthen, we encourage, and we comfort. Are we getting it? Isn't that exciting? A young person came in this last week with his spouse and young child. We prayed together. As I was praying for them, I just heard the Lord remind me of a scripture and I I just spoke it out. This young person that I was praying for broke down. Clearly, parts of their heart were opened in a way that perhaps had not been opened before. It was just an really helpful, incredibly beautiful illustration of the work of the prophetic in a person's life. God wants to comfort you directly. He can speak to your heart personally. But you know, sometimes... We are so bound up, we're struggling so hard that God has to recruit one of his kids to help us. Has that ever been the case for you? When you're there in that darkness and in that corner that you've painted yourself into and you don't know how to get out of it. And of course the Lord can speak directly to your heart, but but sometimes the, the outside noise is so loud that you don't know how to turn the volume down and you can't hear his still small voice speaking to you. And so along comes the Lord and says, do you know what? I've got some comforters around here that will help. I've got some paracletes around here that I can use. I've got some children that I can recruit into the ministry of comfort. And they can comfort others with the comfort that they have received. The comfort that comes from the knowledge of the grace of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So what is it that God wants us to hear today? What is it that God wants us to reflect on today as we consider this time together, as we consider this season that we're in. That God wants you to be a paraclete, a prophetic paraclete in the lives of the people that you encounter. And here's the thing. It works great with other Christians. 
but it works with everybody else too. It's amazing. Just be nice to people. It'll really shock them. Especially when you go to the pharmacy. Those poor people who work in the pharmacy, I'm not kidding. I don't know whether we've got a pharmacist here, but seriously, they are being driven bonkers by people. And they are so unpleasant to them. It's as if somehow all of the woes of the world are piled up on those pharmacists' shoulders. Be nice to them. Bring comfort to them. Bring strengthening to them. Bring encouragement to them. They may already be a believer. If not, it'll be a witness of what it means to be a believer. How about that? How about that? So as we consider in this season, God coming to comfort us, coming to bring the comfort of his people, Israel. Let's allow the Lord to recruit us as comforters to others. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for your word, so clear, so helpful. Thank you, Jesus, that, that you have sent to us another paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do not stop at comforting us, but you equip us with the gift of prophetic utterance to comfort others. It's an amazing thing, Lord, that we should be caught up into the conversation of heaven, that we should be caught up into the ministry and power of the living God. It's an amazing thing, Lord, that you should want to have us partner with you, and yet that's what you look for. And so, Lord, we say that we surrender to your desire as you're looking for partners to recruit in the ministry of comfort. And we say, Lord, we receive your comfort now. And we choose, Lord, to be available to give it to others. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Bless you.